Fellow travelers, swipe your card at the turnstile. Hold open the gate to create an opportunity for fare evasion, and stand clear of the closing doors. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Mixed time periods here, Nick. All, ab- all aboard the toll train. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. I am Omen Said, and I am Nick McGill. Together, we are Feckless Moes, and this is Talk Tull to Me, a rush hour subway ride through the bowels of Jtull City, station by station, song by song. Nick and I discuss, dissect, disagree, and declench. We got on at This Was Avenue, crossed the Benefit Bridge, changed trains at Passion Play Park, and stepped in an unidentifiable puddle at Good Godmother Bus Terminal. We will eventually get to work, where we will learn that our jobs have been given to a computer program called Melotron. Melotron told to me. Melotron told to me. Uh, a homeless man named Aqualung asked us for change. A very young and inappropriately aged woman asked us for a good time named Mary. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that was all before we even... So, Nick, <laughs> do we have any business today? We have one... We have an update from, I think it was just last week... You have some Twitter news? Tweet, 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 tweet. See you in the morning. N- news, news is very, very generous. <laughs> well, I, I have, uh, I've rebooted my Twitter. I essentially... Personal. It's very personal. I'm glad you can share it with us, Oman. Yeah. M- my, my wife would say that I remembered my password. I like... <laughs> <laughs> I like to say that I I hacked into my account, (laughs) and I'm now back. I am back on the tweets, and I have a number of little updates. And Alan Begg, our Scotsman abroad of the tweets, sent a lovely photo of the customs crossing between Finland and Norway. It's a very charming little sign with a on top of a lovely Nordic rooftop, and the sign reads, Tulli Tull. T-U-L-L-I space T-U-L-L. I don't really know what it means, but... I tried to convince Raven to name our son that, but she she wouldn't wouldn't stand for it. Yeah, yeah, Not I know. sure why. Yeah. yeah. She did go for Tullicus as a middle name. <laughs> Rook Tullicus, yeah. Rook, yeah. Rook Tullicus, yeah. That's actually, that's great. It sounds like an emperor. I, I was going to say it sounds like a dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. Could be both, actually. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. all of you... Tall skulls who do the tweeting, please tweet at me now, and and I will be m- more responsive than I have been over the past six months. I pr- promise. And anyone who speaks Norwegian or Finnish is that what Norway and Finland? What was the yeah the border? Yep. Anyone who speaks th- either of those languages, can you translate tuli tuli tul? Also, you know, it's worth noting that that border crossing has to be very, very far north because there is actually a whole country in between 
Norway and mm-hmm. and Finland for the most part, except at the very, very north. A little geographical tidbit for you there. Yeah. Come back to our other our other podcast, Gab <laughs> Geography to me. Oh, that's not very good. <laughs> G- G- Jab? Jab, Jab geog- <laughs> Geography to me, where we will solve this issue. So, Nick. I did the barest minimum of research, like I normally do. Yep. And I, I found... I, I found the definition. What's it mean? I, it just means customs. <laughs> in Swedish, tall is customs, and in Finnish, tuli is customs. Great. Amazing. Yep. Real, real hard-hitting reporting right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Nick. Omen. What do we have the pleasure of talking tall about this fine morning? Omen, today is is an eventful episode because we are kicking the war child baby out of the nest. Oh, finally. my goodness. We, starting next week, will be going cold turkey without war mm-hmm. child. That's right. We're going to be sweating. We're going to be seeing hallucinations. I've removed all, all hints of war child from the house in preparation, so I don't even get the urge. I'm not going to talk to any of our podcast listeners for a week. <laughs> it's important. I, it's important to separate yourselves yourself from those who who allowed you to use War Child in the first place. Yeah, you'll you'll all be getting a an email asking for forgiveness. This and... Nick is an intervention. <laughs> just one more episode. I said that just, I'm done. Just, I swear. Just one more. I I just I I just want to I just want to go out on a good hit. Just. Just so I remember what it's like, and then we'll be fine. In all seriousness, addiction is a serious issue, and if you are addicted to any substances that are not Jethro Tull, please go get help at the appropriate things. However, if you are addicted to Jethro Tull, you're in the right place. (laughs) Come on, kid, I got some more for you. (laughs) So, Nick, what is our last track, oh my gosh, finally, off of the War Child extended album? This track is entitled... Tomorrow was today. Isn't that a Bond film? It, it ought to be if it's if it it's sa- not. It sounds really like the title of a Bond film. Yeah. And Ian Anderson is the Bond girl. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's worth noting, Nick, that this is a not only a regular bonus track, this is actually a bonus track that was added for, I think, the 40th anniversary of War Child. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. essentially a, a bootlegged track from live performances. Yeah. Well, without further ado, let us have a listen to it. I made a sting specifically last episode, and I I made it knowing full well that we would probably never use it again but but I want to I want to th- add in here I want to throw in here you've never heard this song before so new song alert sting now new song alert not by sting but we have a sting for it mm, mm-hmm. and th- this is probably the second time I've heard this song I I can I just say something right off the bat yes I I think I know what you're going to say oh what am I wait let me let me let's what are you yep let's play let's play this game what do you think i'm gonna say nick you shouldn't have eaten that shrimp oh you are so right it's been in the fridge for so long but 
uh, my second thing that I was going to say was I this song gave me chills. I God damn, I love this song. I haven't been this excited about a Tull song. I haven't felt the the rush of listening to a new Tull song in quite a while. The last couple that we had, I was sort of like, meh. Yeah. That were actually new. This is this is really exciting. This is a really good song. This is a banger with mash. Mash not optional. No, mash is required. <laughs> well, I I don't even know where to start, but I guess we should start musically. Yeah, you said I think the last couple of of surprise ones, the last couple of new songs, you were like I I didn't know what to expect, but it was in the case of like War Child 2, it was disappointing. In the case of Good Godmother, like it was okay, but you yeah. just you weren't prepared for the sound. How right. does this fit into that? Well, th- those previous ones. I, in this case, had set myself up for disappointment, mm-hmm. which is which is what I uh, what I always do, Nick. <laughs> and and I and my expectations were wildly exceeded. Yeah, I at, yeah. at, at first I was like, oh. Okay, it's like a, it's sort of like a simple little structure and little jam. It's kind of lo-fi, and then like, and then suddenly I was like, in it. I I I was in it. I was I had taken it into my mouth, hook, line, and sinker, like a fish. It it really picks up. It does. It sneaks up on you, hits you over the head with a sock full of nickels, mm-hmm. drags you into the alley, and and then takes you to a to a fun party. Thinking in terms of, oh, well, they they never really, I guess, theoretically, they never really intended for this to go out because they never took the time to really push it onto an album. Right. And based on how it starts, you go in thinking, oh, it's it's going to be something a little unfinished sounding, a lot like War Child 2 was. It's produced. It's fleshed out. It's very, very, there's a lot of depth to it. I, yeah, there is. I, I do get the impression that it wasn't maybe as intentionally recorded as some of the other stuff that we heard on the official War Child release. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wonder if this was recorded somehow differently or, or you know, mastered much later. Because it does have a little bit of a, at least at least what I heard of it, and maybe it was just because I was listening to it off of YouTube, maybe the sound quality wasn't that good in that format. Yeah, it doesn't sound as robust as others. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's maybe maybe it's a little flat, but it's not it's not like bootleg some dude with a recorder no. from Yeah. No, no, no. No, it's it's listenable. Oh yeah, it's without really without knowing the what little information we do know about this and without going into depth with every tall song ever in 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 history if we were to just hear this it would be it would be unremarkable in terms of the quality i think i agree but then but then there's the structure of it mm-hmm. when it started i was like okay it's a little bit of a simpler structure than we have sometimes come to expect from tall it's in it's in 4/4 it is an overtly minor key hmm. when we start out which is which is actually a bit unusual we like the chord structure itself is pretty like, damn, 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 damn. It's it sort of sounds like a like the sort of E minor, A minor jams that young people are wont to do when they first get a guitar, and comes in with the piano, 
pretty straightforwardly at the top. Silver lights are flashing all along the motorway. Then we have a little bit of flute. Mm -hmm. We have those lovely claps. And then some, some good drums. There's like a funky drum and a jazz sound at the at the beginning, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All along the motorway. And then at a certain point, uh, maybe 15 seconds in, Martin's guitar opens up. And I believe that that is when I started getting physical goosebumps. Weeping openly. Weeping, weeping from my skin. <laughs> oh, that's just that condition looked into. I, I'm very ill, Nick. <laughs> yeah, but then this sort of like very straight ahead rhythm, it really, it really got into my head. It really sort of mm -hmm. got, got inside me. And then I was like, oh my God, yes, take me on this journey. Yeah. I think a lot of that is, is Ian singing too. Yeah. We get some, some, it's, he really, it's the toe that we know in terms of Ian singing and, and it's, it is, it is not just, I'm singing the notes, the same notes that the guitar is playing. It's there, they kind of flow and they intermingle and they mix and he, he pushes everything forward and everything supports him underneath really well. Yeah. Listening to this, I did get the impression of this as a song that worked really well in live performances. Oh my gosh, yeah. Those those heavy bonk bonk with the guitar. Yeah. The 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 sharp everything is is a single syllable in the chorus. We say yeah. good night, sleep tight. It's those those sharp T's. Those it's not quite a plosive. I don't know what a t, t is. A tosive. A tosive. And and it's it's, I can see him like moving around the mic when he was in his young days and like really rocking in, in, in yeah. front of everyone. Like I could see this being a great live piece. You're right. It, it almost seems like you're saying with the clear chorus and those, those sort of heavy beats everywhere, it almost sounds designed to be played in a stadium mm -hmm. where you could have, you could afford to have a lot of echo and reverb and a lot of space yeah. and, and, and the song would still come through. I would love mm -hmm. to have seen this live. Yeah. You know what? Forget playing Aqualung and Locomotive Breath as your last songs the way you've done for the last 70 years. This is a closer. Tomorrow is today. Yeah. Good night, sleep tight. Good night, stay bright. Good night, that is right. Tomorrow is today. Yeah. What a great way to close. Absolutely. We are now starting a petition that mm -hmm. when tours go back on the road, we demand this is now the closer. Yep. Get on that. Sign our petition at unreasonablerequests.com backslash feckless momes <laughs> backslash tall backslash tomorrow was today backslash ouch. I have a slash on my back. <laughs> Self-flagellation. <laughs> the sound of this song. Yes. I could see being played on a classic rock station. Yeah, absolutely. The, I could see definite radio play on this. With a caveat. Mm -hmm. Well, when we get to every day is the same, 
we have a a I think I think it's a key change or at least it's a modulation in a heavy modulation in the chord structure mm, from okay. minor to major. Okay. And I think that that is where we get that. That was sort of the moment where I was like, oh, yes, this is Jethro Tull. This isn't like some lost Aerosmith song. But, you know, that that that's here's the structure. Here's the like the prog, the progness of it coming through. And I think that's what takes it for me away from like your standard radio hit. Just a, a key change. Yeah, because I mean, it, that is the that is the bare minimum Tull can do. I I know. But I think that that might be above the bar for top forty nonsense. Maybe in terms of classic rock, but I think I think it, it has certainly become more more regularly used in in more recent years. Maybe not when it was done here. I would love to call into the classic rock station that my boss plays incessantly at work and request this song and just just to see what they say. Yeah, are, are you are you sure you're talking about Jethro Tull? Oh yeah, yeah. Tomorrow was today. It's not. It's not Aqualung? No. No. Uh, Bungle in the Jungle? No. <laughs> right, right. Are Do you, you just have the best of Jethro Tull in there? Yeah, I'm just looking at the back, and that's all That's yeah. all we got here. Yeah. You mean the first four minutes of Thick as a Brick? I don't... I, I've never heard them play that on the radio. No? I guess not. I, I feel like I have, but I, I... Maybe it's just Wish. I'm not sure. Yeah. Hey, Nick. Hey, Omen. Before we get into the structure of this song, I wanted to to note something that our listeners mm-hmm. may be may be cottoning onto with their oh-so-tuned ears. Their cottony ears. Yeah. That is that both of us are a little a little under tempo today, wouldn't wouldn't you say? <laughs> both of us are a little it's like it's like normally we have premium unleaded and and right now we're we're running on eighty seven. I'm I'm running on fumes. <laughs> <laughs> now I have no particular excuse for that except that I stayed up too late last night watching Batman cartoons. But Nick, uh, would you like to would you like to say how much sleep you got last night and why? Okay. It is the reason also that my voice is pitched down significantly lower. When I get tired, I I hit I hit levels where you can only feel it in your chest right. of bass. Yeah. The the sexy zone we call it. The sexy <laughs> I, I feel a quiver. <laughs> so I, I work in construction. We do, do we do signal lighting and and we do underground wiring, things like that. You are a steel monkey. I am a light monkey. I'm a wire monkey. Okay, I'll take it. We we just just this past week we started an intersection uh, in the the busiest intersection in upstate New York, which yeah. sees over like three horses per week. Three, <laughs> that's right. That's right. The the beards are flowing on those Amish. It it sees over like ten thousand cars a day. So being so it's so busy, we cannot be working in the road during the day. Right. Because you get which means we cars. we started night work. No, it's they don't even care about us getting hit by cars. They don't want congestion of us taking up a lane. Oh, I got you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we started night work. So I've been working for the last two days. I've been working ten p.m to 6 a.m. It's hard. It's hard, Nick. I miss you when you're when you're doing that. I know you're always on the night shift, but I can't stand these nights alone. And I don't need no explanation. 
Cause baby, you're the boss at home. I know you're always on the night shift, but I can't stand these nights alone. And I don't need no explanation. Cause baby, you're the boss at home. Was this all a setup just work, so you could work, sing that? Work, work, work. How, how could you accuse me of that, Nick, knowing me? Very easily is the answer. <laughs> okay, well, so we ask forgiveness from our lifts our listeners because we're a little bit we're a little bit raggedy in our minds today. But listening to tomorrow was today was a good was better than a cup of coffee. Yeah. Indeed. So Nick, let's jump in to the lyrics. Uh, I just one more sound thing. Oh please. At the let's see. Uh I think it's this it's most likely it's the second version or it's this the second well there are only two runs of the course it's about halfway through maybe it's the maybe it's that point where you said there there's the there's the key change or something yeah the accordion comes in oh right where we would normally see the strings oh interesting right where the customary string vamp comes in and it sweeps through we get just some kind of nice, simple accordion to, to come in and accompany. Well, and that kind of supports our theory of of it being primarily a live performance song because, you know, they couldn't always be traveling with a string, uh, string quartet. Right. Speaking of which, Nick, I, I'm curious if you want to look up how many times this song has been played in concert. Oh, yes. That is that is a good that is a good question. So, Nick, how, how many times has that been played in concert? 16. Really? Is that all? That's it. Nine times in 1971. Okay. The first time being October 18th, 1971 at Madison Square Garden. Oh, supporting our theory of it being a big venue song. Yep. And then the final uh, seven times in 72, the final one being February 1st, 1972. So that was October, November, December, January, five months. (laughs) <laughs> four, four and a half, five months that they played it. And that's it. And they stopped. And this album was released in 73, four? Yeah, but who knows when they had this song? Sure. You know, this is not, a War Child is 74, but there's there's no, this feels like an, an earlier Tall song to me. This feels circa like Aqualung, if not earlier. Yeah. In terms of the sound. Interesting. I, yeah. you know, I really thought that it was going to be played more. I guess not. I mean, I don't know why. I like it a lot, a lot. It's not, it's certain. it doesn't feel like a doozy to me, you know, like no. a dud rather. So I think that this is really a hidden gem. Sometimes as Tolkienologists, Nick, in the dusty Tull tomb, we stumble across a rare jewel that is underappreciated. And I really think that this is one of them. I I have to agree wholeheartedly. What a pleasant surprise, and I'm so glad that we we were wrapping up War Child on such a good one, and it didn't like fall flat like War Child Two. Although I did, I did really like War Child Two. I do. I don't think we need to feel bad about War Child Two. It's just that, yeah, I thought it was going to be a new song, like something mm-hmm. that I'd really never heard. Yeah, it's just another. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, but but this one warrants the excitement for sure. It certainly warrants it. There's a warrant out for it. <laughs> Hide it. Hide it in your garage. (laughs) Let's talk about the lyrics. Yeah. 
Lots going on here. Uh huh. Okay, silver lights are flashing all along the motorway. There's a hundred thousand travelers who are twenty-one today. Silver lights are flashing all along the motorway. Must be at least two thousand travelers who are twenty-one today. Okay, so straight away we have. We have our place. We are on the. We're on the. We're on the A7, bound for London. I saw it more as like him, him overlooking the motorway and seeing them all, not being a part of it. Oh, really? From his from his vantage point on high. Yeah. Okay. It, I have I have nothing to support that theory. That was just how it it manifested in your mind. That's how I envisaged it. Yeah. Okay. Twenty one. Yeah. Not a significant number in 1971 because drinking age in the States was 18. Yeah, I was thinking that. Drinking age in Europe was 12, so. Yeah, Yeah, I wondered that. You know, I want to make it about the drinking age because it, in that context, it makes so much sense. It does, yeah. Like to say, oh, there are so many travelers who are just turned 21 today who are now, you know legally drunk on the road yeah they're going to london town with a banknote in each hand right but i think that it's i think that it's not about drinking unfortunately as as much as we i would love to to fish that red herring i wonder if it has more to do and i'm sort of skipping ahead in the lyrics but i wonder if it has more to do with that just being an age which perhaps marks Marks a certain place in like one's professional development. A, a transition into to adulthood almost. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, they they live so they can die in England's green and pleasant land. Some of them take to the roads and some wear a tie. They're going down to London town with a bank note in each hand. They live so they Rise each morning early to workhouse office rules, grow gardens on their windowsills, grow children in their schools. They rise each morning early to workhouse office rules, grow gardens on their windowsills, grow children in their schools. It's like you're getting old and becoming your parents. Yeah, and everything is compartmentalized. It's like, you know, you on a motorway, you can only... You know, you go in one direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're you're all going in the same direction, regardless of your final destination. You're all going to work. You're all you're all part of that flow. Or you're on the road to the grave. Yeah, and a in a broader sense, yeah. So there are all these themes of working life, and mm. and commuting. It, it, you know, it almost reminds me of Journeyman. Mm, okay. From later on, from. Mm-hmm from heavy horses but that sense of the repetitive nature of going to work yeah and then and then we have the line uh, big brother watches all of them but all must live the lie yeah that's that to me speaks of 
you know, and I, I think that it's even more applicable now than it was in 1971 or 72, but the sense of all of your work ultimately not being for your benefit, but for yeah. the benefit of a capitalist system in which you are merely a disposable cog. Mm-hmm. We're, f- we're certainly feeling that much more now, <laughs> I think. Yeah. That last little, I don't, I wouldn't even call it a stanza, that last chunk probably before that key change, every day's the same, the names have all been changed, the rent is overdue, and so is Christmas too. They pay you by the hour for painting Blackpool Tower. Every day's the same, the names have all been changed, the rent is overdue, and so is Christmas too. That first two-thirds of the song is very bleak. It's very, this is life, this is what we're doing, we're all stuck in this this rat race together. Sure. Except for that transition right after that. So it's not necessarily a we. It's really, it's we are we are taking that Ian, our narrator, looking down from on high because he's not a part of this. Well, and in the lyrics, I you know to support what you're saying, he's setting up what everyone else is doing. He's setting up what the travelers on the road are doing, and then he says, after painting Blackpool Tower, which is such a oh, I love that he includes that image because we talked on our episode going up the pool. We talked about the image of Blackpool Tower, that it's this amazing stark black structure rising rising above the beachfront. But then then he says, well, me. I'll just sit tight and write my epitaph. So he's sort of set up this whole like, here's what the world is doing. Yeah. Here's the the grind of the daily worker who has no choice but to try and grow the bank account of of capitalism and grow a baby so that that can take over for, for him when he dies. Yeah, me, repla- replace your cog. Exactly. Yeah, build your own cog. Dig your own grave, build your own cog. Oh, oh, that that's dark. Yeah, yeah that's Orwellian. Yeah. Well, indeed, the the reference to Big Brother does that not come from yeah. George Orwell's nineteen eighty four? It one hundred percent does. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he is setting up that juxtaposition. He's he's really hammering home. This is what you guys are doing. This is the norm, I guess. Right. And th- and then there's me. Me, I'll just sit tight and write my epitaph, which let's just analyze that for a second. Yeah. Ian Anderson, you know, or any poet, let's say, or artist, what what do they do in their work except except write their epitaph? Like, you know, when an artist dies, rarely do we remember them for their personality outside of their work. I mean, you know, some details come through, but, you know, when we think of Charlie Chaplin, we, we think of the tramp. We don't really as much think of, you know, Charlie Chaplin, the businessman who, who had these struggles in his life or, you know, married (laughs) a parade of (laughs) extremely young women. You know, most people just think of, oh yeah, he's the guy with the cane and the hat. Yeah. It's glory row. It's Rainbow Blues, maybe. 
It's the result of celebrity. It's the side effect of celebrity. That is your public persona to hell with, with who you actually are as a person, that this is what who you present as to your fans, to the people. Yeah, yes. But in those songs, we have... We have the contrast between, you know, my onstage life and my offstage life. Mm-hmm. In this, we sort of have the the contrast between the the endless cycle of death and, you know, the sort of pointlessness of, of the existence of the working man versus yeah. the immortality of the poet. Hmm. It, it reminds me of two ancient poets, the first, your friend and mine. Our sassy homeboy, Ovid, the Roman poet, who I remember at some point in one of his seductive poems, I mean, all of them are seductive, but in one of his poems specifically about seducing someone, he presents the argument like, basically, come and love me and I will make your name live for Mm. a thousand years to come. And then here we are, 2,000 years later, reading the name of his lover. It also reminds me of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam, the the famous 12th century Persian poet, who a lot of his poems, they're very short four-line poems, and a lot of them, there's one in particular that says, let so-and-so get in fights at the tavern, and -and so-and-so worry about his money, and -and so-and-so talk politics, and you and I, we will go to the the verge of green by the river and read poetry and drink wine. And it's it's sort of that similar thing. It's like, here's everyone else doing the normal thing, and here's this other path, which is, you know, immortality through poetry. Yeah. And it's not necessarily offering, at least in, in this sense, in Tomorrow Is Today, it's not saying, hey, here is here is an option. Why don't you do this? It's it's more it's more personal for for our narrator saying, yeah, you guys do that. Well, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, absolutely. This is my thing. Not hey, come join me. And then, and then in the rest of that line, we have the little the <laughs> the naughty bit. But then again, <laughs> fantastic, fantastic little wordplay point. I love it so much. Yeah, I may get laid by the laundromat, uh, classic. And when the nightlight has been lit, I'll squeeze some ladies' t- knee. <laughs> That that's so English. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sophomoric sexual English humor. Yeah. It reminds me of a lot of those sort of some of the songs that we used to sing at the Renaissance Fair. There was a specific yeah. one that I don't remember, but the the crayfish. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep. Rhyming blunt with chin, I think. Yeah, yes. Setting setting up a a proposed and logical path of a of a rhyme and then to make the audience think a, a naughty yep. word while you skate on with something. And, yeah, flip it to it something a... that doesn't even rhyme. And, exactly. and and it allows you to be like, oh, you sickos. Yeah. this I'm just singing this song. You're the one who went there. Yeah, it's classic. Yeah. And then we have the, the final little, little stanza. Santa Claus died yesterday. Robin Hood is in the nick for stealing from the people and giving to the rich. Santa Claus died yesterday. Stealing from the people 
So here we have some some topsy-turvy images of mm-hmm. of legendary figures. People you you thought to be saviors or or good, helpful, positive figures. Well, yeah, and it specifically reverses it flips on their on their heads both of those figures. So Santa Claus who can never die because Christmas comes every year is dead. Mm-hmm. Robin Hood, who steals from the rich to give to the poor, is in prison for doing the opposite. Yeah. He's not in prison. Oh, wait, no. He's in prison for giving to the rich. Exactly. So he did He did something to help the capitalists, but he's still in trouble for it. That's an interesting thing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I would see it one of two ways. Either he's in prison for stealing and giving to the poor, or he's being lauded for giving to the rich. That's something more that I would see from from an Ian commentary point of view. So why do you think, is it just blatantly he's stealing regardless of who it's from? So he he, he belongs in jail? I think it's less literal in terms of logic. And I think it's just more yeah. a, re- a reversal of the, of the image. So Robin Hood, who always is not in prison, you know, or only is so briefly, is, you know, thoroughly in prison. <laughs> He's not Robin Hood. You don't when you think of Robin Hood, you think of Sherwood Forest. You don't think of him. The only you know thing you think of him with prison is him escaping prison. Right. Yeah. So this is he. Robin Hood, the free man, is in prison, and why? Because he stole from the poor to give to the rich. Yeah. Oh, everything's upside down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I read too much into it, as is ingrained in my soul for for <laughs> for listening and reading to tell. Well, the audiences expect to know less of you, Nick. I. Yep. Mm-hmm. So for me. And please, I I implore you to contradict me. But I think that whenever you do reversals of that nature, whenever you turn those those sort of figures on its head, it's usually to reveal that there's something off in the state of the world. Yes. Yeah. The center cannot hold. So for me it sort of gets to this the disillusionment of the of the promise of development and capitalism or something like that. Yeah. Well, he does he does reference Christmas a little bit earlier, so he sets that up saying Christmas is is overdue as well. And maybe mm. further down we see the cause of it. It's not just saying you don't have the money to pay for Christmas. It's Santa Claus is dead. It's a more drastic result as opposed to right. like, oh yeah, you you just need to scrape the money. It's like, no, Christmas is is, is gone. Canceled. It's done. Well, yeah. It's like in it's like in the line The Witch in the Wardrobe, when the kids go to Narnia. They find that because the Snow Queen has taken over, it's always winter but never Christmas. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's that it's one of those. There's something seriously wrong in the world. I feel is what he's saying. Yeah, it's it's what's the point? Yeah, right. And I feel like we can now circle around to the title. Tomorrow is today. Yes, that that chorus. Mm-hmm. That, and you know, initially I was like, oh, that's just like a a weird little. A weird little titer, title that doesn't mean anything. But then listening to the song and reading the lyrics, I do feel like there's a meaning. Shall I reveal it to you, Nick? I would love nothing more. All right. But first, let me tell you what I think the title means. <laughs> you, you don't, I don't even need to set you up anymore. You do it on your own. <laughs> Masturbatory comedy. <laughs> I can't believe you saw that. They didn't see that coming. I think that the phrase tomorrow is today or is it tomorrow was today was yeah T- tomorrow was today 
It's future tense, past tense, present tense. It's very tense. It's it's feeling feeling tense here. A lot of tenses. I feel like a lot of times, Nick, in history, we are motivated by the promise of tomorrow. Sure. Yeah. You know, go to school so that tomorrow you can get a good job and then get a good job so that tomorrow you can retire. And and once tomorrow comes, it's going to be great. Oh, yeah. The reason that we're mining all this coal is so that we can develop these technologies, which is going to make everyone's life easier. Right? Yeah. S- stick it out in this crappy job until you can get a better one. Right. Because because once you do that, oh, tomorrow is going to be so great. You just have to suffer yeah. today. But what Ian is saying is tomorrow was today. That that the, t- the today that you just experienced was what was the the thing that wait a minute let me back this up i i i get what you're saying can you say it can you say it in a more challenge you to get (laughs) yeah the 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 goal that you were working for was only as good as as what happened today right you're already there you're already there stop stop setting future goals and i've been seeing a lot of a lot of this statement kind of lately for our generation like stop doing what the boomers always said to do and and don't do, work work for it now don't keep putting stuff off it's only going to be as good as it is today if you're always looking forward you're if you don't embrace now and push for now you're always going to be disappointed you're always going to be looking for more well and also it's yeah I, I totally agree and it's like that you know it's like you're running toward an imaginary carrot but the reality is that carrot, once you catch it, is the same shitty carrot that you ate today. Yes. You're being yeah. bribed with the promise of something, but the promise, once you get it, it's just it's just the thing that you're already doing. Yeah. It's like that song from the 60s. Yeah, dun, 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 live for today. <laughs> that one, yeah. That one. I think it might be called Live for Today. It might be, yeah. One, two, three, four. So yeah, so so write your own epitaph or go to the laundromat and squeeze some lady's knee. Like do, do what you want to do. Yeah, you know, e- easy to say when you're a when you're twenty one year old rock and roll star. You know, and you don't right. have school debt, but but it is. <sighs> I was being facetious there. No, I, I mean, know, but it is. I think that there are two. I think there are two important points that this song is making, or at least that we are extrapolating from this song, mm-hmm. that we have put into our backwoods still, and are waiting for the little drops to come through the copper tube so we can sell it to our listeners. And those points are that a the promise of capitalism is a lie, mm-hmm. and yes. b you have to. You have to live in, you have to get your enjoyment in the eternal now because happiness in the future is not a real thing. It's, it's, it's an illusion. Yeah. As long as you're looking forward to happy and not being happy, you're never going to be happy. Right. You can plan for your future happiness as, while also being happy. You can set up things yeah. for your future. That's fine. Yeah. But if, but if you're not also enjoying the moment, then you are going to be miserable forever. This song is 
a good reminder that regardless of the time period and generation, like this is this is a a, a good way to think, and this is a, a good way to stay aware of how we need to to kind of approach life and and. Ian was singing about it in 71 and we're, we're reading memes about it on Instagram in, in 2020, you know, it's, it's, doesn't matter who it is, work on your happiness. And I don't know. I just, I just find it interesting that it was 50, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, we were, we were seeing things like this. Well, and I, I think that we can prove that it is a potent philosophical stance by looking at all the other philosophers who have who have said the same things. I mean, yeah. you know, again, Omar Khayyam in Persia, Ovid saying like, here's all the things that are happening in Rome, and that's really great, but I'm going to really concentrate on my attention on trying to get into this lady's window because that's, that's what that's just going to bring me happiness right now. Yeah. I'm trying to, oh, I had another example, and it's gone. Much like War Child. Much like War Child, which... We are now officially finished with Nick. So, my dear Nick. Yes, my 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 lovely omen. What album are we beginning to talk tall about next week? Next week, album and song are one in the same. Ooh. It is a minstrel in the gallery. <gasps> oh, fine yeah. listeners, get your crushed velvet tights out of storage. Wash your ruffs. Unpack that codpiece. Unpack that codpiece. <laughs> and uh, we will see you next week. Until then, don't put off the joy of giving us a five-star review. Do it today. None of this tomorrow stuff. Today is when you should be giving us a review. You know, Nick, Christmas is overdue, as is... Your responsibility to write us a positive <laughs> review on iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Yes. Love it. Fact. Fact. Until next week, I am infinitely Omen Said. I am indefinitely Nick McGill. We are perpetually feckless momes. And this is infinitely Talk Tell to Me. Talk tall to me is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network. Good job. <laughs> I would have said bye. No. <laughs> what was that song that you sang so I can find it and drop it in? That was, uh, let me, I looked up the lyrics so I could sing it. <laughs> yep. You. You you catfished me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. This is my want. <laughs>